Welcome to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I'm your host, Chrissy Love. I believe in taking massive action to overcome life's biggest challenges because I know the rewards that lie on the other side. This show is a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to help you level up in your life. Here's to a new you where your dedication, commitment, and staying true to yourself will make your wildest dreams come alive. Let's do this. Well, thank you so much for being on a Be Seen, Be Loved show with Chrissy Love. Today, we have a powerful man who has a true heart of gold when it comes to serving people and also serving community communities. So it's an honor to just bring to the show a billionaire business mogul, Michael V. Roberts, who has been turning heads in the business world since the 1970s uh, with his brother, Steve. They earned their JD and they started Roberts and Roberts Associates and Consulting Firm. This led to opportunities in politics, real estate, broadcasting, wireless communication, planes, construction, you name it. And he's also the author of three books and one just came out, just to name a few. Uh, Michael's Perseverance and Vision has also made him a popular speaker at colleges and conventions. Now, Michael started his business. I'm going to ask him to share a little bit more about this, but he started selling African daishikis, shirts, and other African imports to stores. So you can see he became he came from humble beginnings, which led him to do big things in the business world. And he's here to tell us all about how he does it. So let's welcome Michael V. Roberts to the show. Thanks, Rob, uh, Michael. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's wonderful a, to have met you as well. Absolutely. You know, I have a few questions that a lot of uh, our uh, business, uh, my business community wanted to ask you. But yes, I met Robert at a convention the last week, Power Networking Convention. If you haven't been there, it's the place to be to really mingle and get to know some big heavy hitters in the business world. And Michael was one of them. He uh, was there all, I believe it was what, Michael, about five, four, four or five days. And you're really involved. You're really involved and you made itself available to a lot of, you know, thriving business owners to ask questions and to also um, provide a lot of advice and, and helpfulness to the young professionals that were there. Is that something that you usually do, Michael? Yeah, I mean, it's my pleasure. I, I have reached a degree of success. Uh, you know, my parents were great parents. Uh, my father was a postal employee for most of his life until he joined my company after he retired. He thought he was going to really retire over 30 years ago. Uh, But on the day of retirement, we gave him his business cards and made him a vice president of the company. Uh, And so he's been busy helping his sons ever ever since during our our heyday as we were building our companies. Um, My mom was a school teacher and you know, we weren't rich, we weren't poor, we just never had any money. Mm. Uh, but we had a solid family base. Uh, I went on to college and law school, and the uh, right after I graduated from law school, I moved two blocks from the projects in St. Louis, where I lived for 10 years and was elected to the St. Louis City Council, Board of Aldermen. Uh, and as I looked around, I realized that one of the po- real possible business opportunities 
was just in my own neighborhood. It was run down. It needed help. Uh, I could buy properties for a little or nothing and renovate and flip. As a result, I ended up growing a, a company with virtually no money to speak of. Wow. And, uh, and just building those assets. And uh, one day, after a couple of years of being on the board of Alderman, my brother had just finished law school and he too joined me on the board. So we were both elected to the St. Louis Board of Alderman, our city council. And uh, one day, the, the, uh, there was a big article in Ebony Magazine on us about the two brothers winning a one-two punch in city government St. Louis. And some representatives from the Sears and Roebuck Company called. <laughs> it was sort of interesting because at that time, Sears was moving out of, as the neighborhood was turning black in the 70s, 80s, mm -hmm. mostly 80s, uh, they were closing up. I want to take a quick break to thank all our listeners, contributors, and give a shout out to Midwave Radio for promoting our show in Scotland, the UK, and around the globe. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, or if you are an entrepreneur looking to enhance your communication and connection skills as a leader, contact me at bcnbelove.com forward slash contact. And you can see boarded abandoned old Sears buildings in most major cities. Uh, we were born just a couple of blocks from there and we just didn't want that to happen. So they asked us, would we be interested in buying it? And of course our quick answer is always yes. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we, uh, we decided to, to buy it and over close to 40 years now, we owned it, uh, converted it into an enclosed mall. We created what's called an adaptable reuse to take a facility and you find another way to use the same building. It's like anything else in life. You can look at something the same way, but you can look at the same something differently and you may have a different outcome. So we, uh, we recently sold that to the Urban League and we had named that building, that 200,000 square foot building after my dad, uh, Victor Roberts, because okay. he was there helping with the tenants and building it. We had uh, probably over 50 tenants inside of the building. We segmented it out so that it would be like storefronts, mm -hmm. but enclosed storefronts. So in a way we were creating our own Black Wall Street because most of the businesses were Black or some other ethnic background uh, a person or people or company. At any rate, uh, that was one of the many businesses that led us into now owning strip shopping malls. I became the first African-American to be elected to the International Council of Shopping Centers Board of Trustees, uh, which took me into visiting shopping malls uh, in different parts of the world, including Dubai and, and, and South Africa, of course, all over the United States. That's a very interesting organization that people who are interested in, in commercial real estate, mm -hmm. ICSE, International Council of Shopping Centers, ICSE.com. Uh, you should look it up, you should join it because that's where all of the shopping center developers, owners, lawyers, even the tenants, the big tenants that go into the shopping centers. Mm -hmm. their, their convention is in Vegas, usually around May, and there's usually about 30 to 40,000 people who attend. 
it's huge. Wow, it's huge. Yes. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, but I love what you said. You said you made a quick decision to buy Sears and Roebuck. Now, a lot of business people, I see that that's one of the traits that they have is they make quick decisions. Because if you don't make a quick decision, the opportunity can be gone and be given to someone else. Right. Well, because that, that's the title of my book is Action Has No Season. Uh, and if you realize what that title means, Action Has No Season, mm -hmm. right. Um, Both of these books and, have that title. And the second one is Action Has No Season 2.0. Mm -hmm. uh, now, they can be bought at authorhouse.com uh, under my name or under that if anyone's interested. The, um, one of the things that I wrote about in it is that you have to recognize that change is occurring all the time as business people. And either you control the change or that change will control you. Mm. So what I realized is we need to take action. So I coined the word the actionaire. That's one who takes their ideas, right. their dreams, their vision, their purpose, and they pursue them with courage and confidence and bravado. Uh, frequently people lay back too long uh, but every day when you wake up, you give it 86,400 seconds. That's 24 hours broken down into seconds. And if you realize that the moment you think of this moment, it's gone. Mm. So you have to live every moment to its fullest extent. Uh, and quit, you know, worrying about what happened in the past uh, because it's in the past. Right. <laughs> you, know, uh, you, to, you cannot live in a hypothetical. You have to live in reality. Right. So, uh, you know, if you drive a car, you don't look through the rearview mirror to drive your car. Right. right. You, you. So why would you live your life like that? Mm. Always looking at that rearview mirror. You need to make that shift in your mindset and, and, and allow yourself to be positive and proactive and to accept. I see. I don't believe there's such thing as failure. Uh, and let me explain what I mean by that. Okay. Uh, you know, if you are attempting to do business, have a relationship with someone, so many people are, aren't successful at it because they have a fear of failure. So let's break those two words down for a minute. First word, fear. Fear, fear is just a mental construct. Mm. It's a mental construct. It's not of nature. You weren't born with it. You've only allowed yourself to uh, create that in your mind. So you can eliminate it by recognizing that it's just a state of mind and you can move away from it. Second word, failure. Um, I say that if you eliminate that word in your, addiction, in your, in your mind, mindset, uh, look, at the, look at how you might perceive it. So you might say, well, how do you do that? Or what are you referring to? Well, I say that there's no such thing as failure. There are experiences where the outcome wasn't as you would have liked. Hmm. But did you learn from it? Did you gain anything from it? So if you take that concept, you know, I see people throwing this L up for, what is that supposed to be, loser, right? 
like this actually like that okay <laughs> you know what that means right. to me what lesson lesson absolutely now one of the one of my friends jennifer horseful asked you a question and you're talking you're kind of touching on it right now she wants to know what was the big mindset shift change that allowed you to earn first your first million next your first 100 million next your first billion okay well let, let's let's talk about that the first million was about age 30 uh, I had been out of law school about five years, and when I bought the the old Sears building and I began to renovate it along with a few inner city properties, and I had a contract to do some major consulting with some of the large corporations, Fortune 500 types, I was able to place a value on the renovated property that reached that number. Mm. Okay. Then uh, from there, I started to develop, uh, I had an opportunity come my way to, to apply for a full power television station, uh, which was marketed in St. Louis, East St. Louis, but it's a full power station. So I developed uh, uh, the appropriate application. And once I applied, about six others applied on top of me. So now it's a competitive decision by the FCC to determine who should receive the license. So we had to do this analysis of each other. We were able to throw out some because they either copied our application incorrectly or they wrote a poor application. And so ultimately we won. Now the question is how do you, um, what do you do with it? Right. With the license, where are you gonna get the money from? Well, at that time, there was something called the Home Shopping Network that was just emerging. Oh, okay. I remember seeing that about I got a chance to meet with them, and they, uh, we struck a great deal where they were able to finance the station, and we put their programming on our station. Oh, okay. I was wondering where the synergy came from with Home yes. Shopping Network. I didn't see that you uh, sold a lot of products. Uh, right. QVC followed them. and. Mm -hmm. They all are copycats jury, out there. Home shopping. Network, there's a jury network out. Yes, I watch all of those. Hi, this is Chrissy Love of BCMB Love, and I'd like to invite you to tune in to my show that's being aired on WinWinWomen.tv every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and 7 p.m. UK Time to get public speaking tactics that can be used to increase your communication skills in a way that will up-level your career and your life. Sure. But I'm just saying that, you know, all of this came about around the same time. And ultimately, I went on the board of directors of uh, the Home Shopping Network, a publicly held company. It mm -hmm. was my first one. Uh, the TV stations grew to ultimately almost 12 full power stations or licenses, uh, many of which, all of which I've sold over the years to finance my next project, which was the wireless phone company. And uh, once I, I, being a futurist, I knew that digital phones were coming just like they were making TV stations become digital. So you know, being playing heads up on what the opportunities were out here. Uh, I jumped on that and um, applied for licenses. 
received it. Then I had to figure out how to raise about $100 million, which was almost impossible because uh, when I go to Wall Street and ask for it, the bankers would laugh so hard, I'd have to go around and pick them up because they fell out their chairs. Really? Why? Because they didn't know what it was. They, they had no clue as to the future right. of the phones that we all hold right now. Um, but then I understood that there's ways to finance that was something I didn't know about, and it's called vendor financing. And that's when, if you're going to buy, if you're going to build, a, for example, a, a phone company, Mm -hmm. a digital phone company, you're going to have towers all over the state, antennas, guy wires, base stations. All of those have to be bought from a company like a Lucent or Nortel or Motorola. And so we struck a deal where we ended up getting 100% financing from, uh, from Lucent. Uh, and they wanted it because by us being able to borrow what we needed at the time it was about 54 million. Uh, we it was determined that if we should affiliate with one of the large uh, emerging companies, in this case, it was Sprint. And so we, we were able to cut a deal with them. Uh, and long story short, ultimately right. we built it, we took, we went public with two other, three other uh, uh, affiliate wireless phone companies. And then we were bought by Sprint for about 300 million, my portion, our portion. Uh, now, when CNN put us at a billion dollars, so we, had, we had owned by this time about 12 hotels, about yeah. the same number of TV stations, we owned shopping centers. We did have an aviation company where we leased out our two planes. We had a hawker. Uh, so it was determined that the valuation of all of these in the aggregate came to about a billion dollars. So I, sometimes I caution people to say I'm a billionaire. I'd rather them say I'm a billionaire company builder, builder, builder of a billionaire company. If gotcha. uh, <laughs> because when, when, you know, when 2008 came and the recession hit, it affected me just like it affected everybody else. That's true. Um, we had to sell off hotels that were, by this time we had actually about $130 million in debt with uh, Bank of America. They were going broke. The government bailed them out. But in the meantime, they were collapsing on all the small business, all the businesses that had loans with them. They weren't refinancing them. So we had to sell and we had to sell at discounts. My point is anybody who thinks that there aren't uh, those types of downsides in business, as well as the upside, can be mistaken. That's why I wrote even the second book, because I want people to recognize that you can establish yourself, mm -hmm. but don't feel bad if things turn sour. I mean, look what happened over the last couple of years with COVID. Right. I mean, the COVID and that business, uh, to all your viewers, probably everybody was affected in one way or another. Right. Uh, certainly in the hotel business, we were affected because we didn't have the types of folks that we would have normally had who would travel to stay at a hotel. Uh, they weren't there. Picking up now in your hotel business and uh, your other companies. I'm sorry. As, as the pandemic is loosening up and things are opening up again, do you see your businesses starting to come back more? A little bit. 
little bit? Not much. I mean, I I still own a hotel in Detroit. I'm, I'm actually speaking to you from there now. Um, it's still very slow. Uh, okay. I Like all every business I have, it's, everything is for sale. But what I did find that was fairly sustainable was my residential properties. Uh, in the Bahamas, where I own and built uh, Roberts Isle, I have uh, quite a few units there that people continue to pay their rent. Uh, okay. Same thing in St. Louis. I have some downtown buildings I converted to loft apartments. They have sustained well. Uh, most of my commercial real estate has sustained okay as well. Uh, so I guess the lesson that's hidden behind this, this comment is it is important for business people to have multiple streams of income. Right, and diversify, diversify, diversify. And diversify. Mm-hmm. Don't put and your diversify. eggs in, all, in, in one basket. So if you were talking to, I know you started your business in the 1970s. Now, if you were talking to the business owner right now, uh, times have changed. You know, you can't get property for little to nothing anymore. Inflation has gone up like crazy. How would you tell someone to get started now in this day and age? Well, I disagree with your premise. Uh, here in Detroit, you can buy property for little or nothing. True. I'm uh, from Detroit. Originally, I am from Detroit. My family's from there. So, yes, you're right. You can get, you can get property all day long for like a couple thousand dollars. Um, that's Exactly. True. And that's true in in most urban areas uh, where, where people have pulled away, but we're seeing justification taking place. A lot of white companies are coming in and buying up properties that are close to downtowns that have been historically uh, black areas, uh, but people have moved out and they were tricked to run to the suburbs. I see that in Houston. The very property that their parents and grandparents worked so hard to leave them, a lot of folks got educated and walked away, but they walked away from from the legacy that their parents uh, had for them. So what I'm saying, there's still opportunities out there. Oh, absolutely. It hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. If if you want to, you know, you have to be a risk taker. You have to be an actionaire. You know, you have to eliminate the fear of failure and you have to go for it. You really do. Right, right. An action taker. Love that. Now, Roy Raff asked, if you could go back in time, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Uh, I may have uh, transacted a few deals differently. In some cases, uh, instead of taking cash, I took stock in some of the companies. Uh, what I did, I've taken three companies public. There are times when I, I, I took stock instead of cash. Maybe cash would have been better in some cases. Uh, of course, there are many transactions that I've been engaged with, you know, in owning close to 100 companies over the years. You know, many of them, have had outcomes that I didn't care for. Uh, so, you know, it's it's okay. You just have to have the the willingness and the tenacity to to continue on, just to continue on. And, and that's what I always recommend to people. Right. And now, the- I may also jump, I'm sorry, you know, into where is the future? The future really is in the opportunities to, to look into the technologies that are emerging because uh, anybody who has a job today that's repetitive in nature, you know, by the year uh, 2030, they won't have a job because robotics will take over. 
So we need to learn about artificial intelligence, machine learning, robotics. Uh, what is cryptocurrency going to be like? In fact, the question you can ask yourself is, where will people be spending money 10 years from now, for example? Oh. And in the next 10 years, uh, you'll have more growth in, in this world that we live in <coughs> in terms of the technology than we've had since there was a human on this earth up to this point. It's going to move that fast. We'll call it quantum computing or quantum growth. Uh, and you know, we need to understand what is the metaverse and what is that going to mean and what is the NFTs, um, cybersecurity. All of these are business opportunities that I'm describing that's going to have thousands and thousands of new jobs and businesses that will be created from it, if not millions, I might add. Uh, so where will people be 10 years from now? That's what we have to think about. Mm. Well, how will they be spending money? Uh, what currency will they be using 10 years from now? And one of the things that I'm doing with my the Roberts Innovation Group, is, a, a, which are a group of individuals who are experts in each of these technologies I've described, is we're going into the HBCUs, into our black colleges and universities, and we're beginning to create a disruption in the minds of the uh, academicians and say to them, listen, it's okay for you to teach what you've been teaching but you better prepare the students for this emerging technology world that we're living in. And, and if we don't, we're gonna miss the opportunity. You will have your students missing the opportunities to become very successful and, and achieve great, uh, uh, to achieve greatly as a result of that. Right, I saw that you in the news that you did support a lot of our black owned colleges or um, predominantly black colleges. And, but I didn't know that that's the area that you were focusing on is helping them to innovate in, yes. in the area of technology. And I, I love that about you is that you're, you're, you're always looking for the, to the future. You talked about that at the conference as well, looking to the future. A lot of people are kind of closed minded about what's happening today. There's a, this, the world is moving and it's moving fast. And a lot of countries are already on top of um, the changes that are happening right now. And we will be left behind if we don't start thinking progressively uh, forward. And so, uh, like I said, I love that about you and the information that you provide as far as helping our young people to start thinking and getting positions now that's going to help them to get jobs later on. Because 10 years from now, everything that you see is going to be completely changed. Okay. Actually, in the next mm -hmm. And businesses. And businesses. And, and business opportunities as well. Right, right. And I want to ask you, you know, I find uh, at the event that a lot of people are intimidated to talk to you and you are a wealth of information. Uh, I, I was like that too in my younger years, but I did approach you. Um, but I, what do you say to young people who are afraid to talk to someone of your magnitude who has um, information and resources and connections that can probably support them in the things that they're working so hard for? Well, you know, a lot of young people ask me to mentor them, and that's one of the reasons I wrote those two books, um, because they're mentoring devices. Mm. And I recommend that they get them and they read and they study. Uh, and they, you know, I'm available to, to, to be pulled over and have a conversation with, but obviously I cannot mentor the thousands of people that's asked me to do it. Uh, that's why I wrote the book, because I'm releasing uh, both my philosophy on business and uh, the anecdotal history of various companies that I've been involved with. And I've even put some articles, like there's an article from Forbes about me and my brother. Uh, 
in in the first book. Um, so it, it's not that I'm not approachable. I'm very much approachable. You see that, but uh, and I can't say that for everybody, honestly. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's it's I'm cool. You know, I'm just another brother as far as I'm concerned. And I can I can be there to assist where I can. Absolutely, and I, and I love it. And I thank you for that. Uh, you were very approachable, and that's why I kept coming back <laughs> to ask you more questions. And I'm, I'm just grateful that you were you open up your your mind, your heart, your resources to be able to just honor um, what I was asking for. And now I want to ask you, what products are you working on now? You talked about a lot of technology and some things you're working on in the future, but what is Michael working on these days? Several things, um, oh. several. Uh, I'm m meeting with presidents of HBCUs to get them interested in a change in their curriculum mm. or addition, add on to their curriculum and try to give them enlightenment. Uh, I have a part ownership in a metaverse company, which is amazing. And uh, we're building avatars that look like the human, and it's going to be interesting because, you know, I <laughs> I was looking at an avatar the other day. It was a beautiful black woman, perfect skin, gorgeous, uh, but it wasn't a human. And it was not human. I, I'm sorry. It was not human. Was not human? Yeah. yeah, I think it was. Oh, it was human. Right. Is it right? And they're even using her as a model, right? But it's a white man who, who designed her. Mm -hmm. So here we have the white folks utilizing the black imagery to make money. And I've begun to do a little more in-depth analysis of artificial intelligence, you know, which is going to, which already, you know, has some biases in it because the people who are programming uh, the, the artificial intelligence units you know, are usually white and they are limited to their culture. And so as, let's assume, for example, you go into a bank uh, and they uh, they go to their review who you are by looking up uh, through artificial intelligence, your background. Um, but there are certain triggers that may scare them in terms of your loan. You know, they may say, well, well she went to uh, Tennessee State or, or or she's, she grew up in the hood in, in St. Louis or Memphis or someplace. Well, that may bias them, even though they've not met you in person and realize who you are and what your capacity may be. So we already have to make sure that we have more black folks writing um, and coding in all of these areas so that we can have a fair uh, analysis, uh, a proper analysis of who we are that's going to be in this artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence, for example, is your phone. I mean, I don't know too many people who are uh, more than four feet away from their phone 24 hours a day. <laughs> and why do I say it like that? Because, you know, if you need directions or if you have to remember somebody's phone number, or if you have right. a question mm -hmm. about anything in history, you'll ask your phone and it'll give you that data. Well, imagine someday where that same chip is in your brain. And you have the capability to have infinite knowledge and you become like a cyborg where wow. your frontal lobe is still your sensitive, loving, creative side and the back is your data. And, and now you're kind of moving around in the world 
with this little nano chip. Uh, hopefully, we'll be the ones making some of them. Uh, the nano chip that kind of gives you, you blink an eye and you can see yourself skiing or scuba diving or skydiving yeah. or something, just like you would with your artificial, your, your AR uh, glasses, you know, that you, you wear and you can, it looks right. like you're somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how you look in the metaverse in, in the future, you know, the virtual reality or augmented reality glasses. Well, here's the thing that'll scare people. We may be cyborgs in the future with mm -hmm. these chips that are available to us, but my concern would be if there is a brain hacker. Right, and a tracker. Now suddenly your brain is hacked and there's, you're doing things you don't even realize what you're doing and it's not legal or it's not who you are, so to speak. Uh, so these little scary things do exist. That's, my purpose is for anybody listening, I'm, I'm trying to disrupt your life right now. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make you think differently right. than what you've been thinking every day and, and start to shift and make a, a difference to understand what's, what's coming. And more importantly, how can you make money doing this in a capitalist society? That's the important part. How do we make money? How do we build? How do we grow? And how do we diversify and take on these opportunities that are coming our way that will pass us by if we don't take action, right, Michael? Correct. Correct. You've given us so much, so much information, so much value. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners and viewers today? No, I, I just think people have to recognize that uh, this is a global society uh, mm -hmm. and not to be provincial in your thinking, to truly be global, uh, whatever you come up with, make it something that anybody in the world can use. Uh, we, we want to really think huge. A lot of people use terms like thinking outside the box. And I always jokingly say, you know, raise your hand. And then I spank you for raising your hand. Why? Because there's no such thing as a box. Mm. If you're thinking outside of a box, that presumes that you are in a box. Right. Uh, and so you have to recognize that you may be limiting your own self not other people are doing it, but you're doing it. So realize that there's no such thing as a box. There's only the, the, the horizon. And, and your mind should be open to everything and all possibilities. So I think in conclusion, I would like people to become actionaires. I would like for them to be no box thinkers. I'd like for them to be to eliminate the fear of failure. And I'd like for them to, to recognize that there's so much value within them that you have the, the oldest and strongest DNA as Africans of any human on the face of the earth. That means that there's capacity inside of you that that's richer than any other uh, race of human on the face of the earth because it's a continuation of, it, of your origin. That's who you are. That's why sometimes you do things and you don't even realize that you had the capability to do certain things, but you follow your instinct. And right. it's a, important for you to realize that instinct is sometimes more important in business than some kind of empirical evidence that you might have or business plan. You better feel it, understand it, and then go after it. And that's what being an actionaire is all about. And that's why one day I want some of those listening to help uh, me get my word actionaire in the, <laughs> in the Wikipedia or in the dictionary. Uh, because usually when black folks create a word, 
It's usually words like bling bling and bootylicious. We need we need words that are intelligent for a change that somebody black has created. Absolutely. But at any rate, Mr. thank you very much for having me on. I, I very much appreciated you giving me the opportunity to talk to our folks and, and your audience. I hope they consider buying my books. And by the way, I did just write a novel. Oh, yes. Uh, it's uh, A President's Secret, The Royal Bloodline. Uh, it's pretty deep. It, it takes you into Afghanistan, England, the Bahamas, Africa, and the United States. And it ends up, it has a, a black man who becomes president of the United States. It's a deep um, storyline wow. that took me a long time to get around to write. Writing the novel was not something I've ever done, and but it was in me and I decided to do it. And I'm sure everybody out there, there's a book inside of you. Absolutely. I want you to write that book mm. and share your story so that we can have our history told by us and not by somebody else. Absolutely. I wrote a book. My book is titled From State Fright to Superstar. Definitely All right. Check that out. Yes. But yeah, love your books. I already have two. I got to get that novel as well to add to my collection. Thank you so much, Michael, for being on the show and adding amazing, amazing, valuable business information, insights, uh, and inspiration for people to start taking action and becoming actioneer. Thank you.